Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. This episode of Knife Talk is sponsored by Tormac. For your chance to win a T4 sharpening system, visit knifetalk.net to enter the draw. The winner will be chosen on our 10th show and will receive a Tormac T4 and a set of jigs to make your knives razor sharp. Okay, welcome to Knife Talk. Today I'll be speaking with Jeremy from both Homestead Knives and the Simple Little Life channel on YouTube. So, so hey Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Craig. No worries at all. Thank you very much for taking the time out. So, so tell us, whereabouts in the world are you, Jeremy? Uh, I live in southern Alberta, just just kind of outside of Calgary. Right, okay, so way up north. In Canada. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, cool. It's snowing at the moment or cleared or what, what's the situation up no. there? We're, uh, uh, today's about 25 degrees Celsius. Oh, right, lovely. Yeah, lovely. so wintertime's long gone and uh, everything's greening up and it's getting warm out now. Now we're switching to the air conditioning. Nice, nice. That lovely time of year. So I'd like to set the scene at the beginning of each episode and ask, uh, are you in your workshop at the moment? No, no, I'm not. You're not. Okay. So what I can gather from your videos, your your workshop is actually a little bit different to most, isn't it? So it's a a metal storage container or a, a sea can, as you call it. Yep, that's correct. I know the Americans refer to them a lot as shipping containers. When you say sea can, they don't really know what you're talking about. But yeah, it's really a, a 40 foot shipping container and that's got like nine foot high roof on it. And it's really handy because uh, a lot of the stuff like different tables and fixtures and jigs, you can just weld it right to the walls. Oh, cool. Obviously, so really, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's really handy that way. Do, do you find that the sound reverberates around there? Yeah, it's definitely louder. Um, I mean, really, I pretty much wear hearing protection whatever I'm doing in the shop anyways, but it definitely is loud because it's all metal. Um, the one advantage to the, to the metal as well is that in the wintertime when it's cold, I heat it just with a uh, wood-burning stove, and I have the stove against one of the walls, and so once that heats up, then that back wall heats up, and it just kind of acts like a big big hit, heat sink. Nice. It just gives a really nice heat throughout the shop. So that's that's one advantage as well. I haven't insulated it at all. It's just raw metal. And uh, it takes about an hour in the wintertime, but once it gets warm, it's really comfortable in there. Yeah, so a huge radiator, 20-foot radiator across your back wall. Love yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it seems from your videos that you, you've got a fair bit of land there, and you've got your workshop in the, right in the middle there of everything. So, so how do you cut yourself off from yep. all the distractions of, sort of, a, of a family farm? <clears throat> um, well, you know, when I started the YouTube channel, it was kind of to document setting up our homestead. And... Um, we, we have 12 acres here, and our goal with our land is to be as uh, somewhat self-sufficient, but mostly just look after our own food. Um, it's not like we're like full-on homesteaders off-grid. Uh, I think to live that lifestyle, you really have to give up 
pretty much all modern conveniences. Yes. Um, what, what I did is I started, you know, we've got like chickens and cows and, and we try and, and a big garden for our food. And the, the YouTube channel was originally to document that. And I ended up putting up a knife making video and it actually became quite popular. So I thought, oh, well, maybe I should do more of these. And so that's how it kind of turned into uh, a knife making YouTube channel. And I guess the, the way it got into knife making, it was always kind of a hobby. And you, you kind of start basically as a knife collector. And once you buy a few really good high quality knives, you know, several hundred dollar knives, it's really hard to justify purchasing another one. <laughs> and so I thought, well, you know, especially, I mean, I have four children and they're in sports and I'm not going to spend all our money just on my little collection. But <laughs> yes. you know what I'm saying? If you buy a really good knife, you've got 10 or 15 years out of it. And once you have a few of those, it's just a really hard sell. <laughs> Even to myself, it's like, well, I really don't need another knife, but I want it. So uh, I kind of thought, well, why don't I start trying to make some of these knives? And um, it's been about five, six years I started just as a hobby. And uh, the first ones obviously weren't very good at all. Um, but then I they got better and better. And then a few guys I worked with, I was a millwright by trade. And I worked for one of the largest, was the largest oil field company in Canada. And some of the guys that worked, they'd say, oh, I'd take a knife. And so I kind of made a few for friends and stuff like that. And... Um, the company I had to work for, we went, they went bankrupt. And so we all lost our jobs. And I thought, well, shoot, what am I going to do? And at the time was a, a really hard downturn here in Alberta with the oil and gas industry. Yeah. And and so I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to see if I could sell some knives. And uh, I think I started selling my first ones on Facebook. And they actually, they, they sold fairly quickly. I thought, well, this, this is kind of cool. And so then I kept going and going. And then I was probably around the same time that that YouTube video, the first knife making video I did on YouTube. I think when I put that video out, I had like 200 subscribers or something like that. And it ended up getting a lot of views. I thought, well, this is neat. And it just, I guess the whole thing kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. I mean, that was one of my questions, actually. Do you find there's particular subjects that really bring in the extra viewers? Yes. Um, it's it's kind of niche, right? Like people that want to learn knife making, they're very specific in, in what they're searching for. And so even without a huge subscriber base, um, you know, if you've got your video labeled properly in a few tags and there, somebody's going to find it and they're like, hey, that's actually kind of interesting information. And um, I guess the knife making, I, I think on YouTube, sometimes niche markets are kind of easier to get into. You know, if I had just started like daily vlogging or something like that, I think it'd be forever if, before people start because, well, it's got to be really interesting, first of all. But uh, there's so many people doing it. And also there's there's a lot less knife makers. There are more and more. But, you know, even a few years ago, there weren't all that many uh, knife making channels on YouTube. I've, I've, I have to say this, that the YouTube channel is something that uh, that's how I first came across your work by the YouTube channel. Okay. And um, as somebody who's starting to make knives just a few years ago, coming across these videos, it was just amazing to see these resources out there. Because I, I, yeah. can't, I can't imagine what would have happened 15 years ago if I wanted to try and learn to make a knife. I'd have to find a local blacksmith. I'd need to spend the time there. Well, this is something that was just fed to me and it caught my interest, which is, yeah. which is just amazing because you hear all these, you know, all these young kids as well now starting to learn, you know, blacksmithing and bladesmithing, which is just incredible. Yeah. You just think, what the hell did people do before YouTube, you know? Exactly, yeah. Oh, and I love it because, uh, like, I learned to make knives from Trollsky. I'm sure everybody's heard of his channel. Yes, yes, incredible and, knives, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I remember just watching, and and he makes it look so easy. And you know, some of the first ones he'd take like a saw blade and then angle grinders and cut it out. And he had a belt grinder, which I never did. Um, but that is him that was my biggest inspiration, and kind of I learned to make knives from watching his videos. 
So is, is there much of a knife-making community around you? Do people actually get together? I'm learning that there is more and more. Um, there is a, I don't really know what it's called exactly, like an Alberta Knife Makers Guild. Um, currently, I'm not a member, but I, I am going to join. And they, they get together, I think, twice a year. I wish I had the information in front of me about it. Uh, they'll do a, like a big camp out in the summertime. Everybody brings their RVs and they kind of get together and, uh, you know, just talk knives and stuff like that. And I think they also do one in the wintertime, but they'll I think they'll get like a, a hotel or a lodge or something like that. But um, it's interesting because I'm getting a lot more and more comments um, from local knife makers. And it's it's really awesome because. You know, there's certain resources that I know of that they're wondering about, like, where do you get this? Even simple stuff like your ferrochloric acid. I mean, I probably had 20 people on YouTube that live in Calgary, which is right close to me, saying, where on earth do you get it from? And I can give them the street address, you know. So it's really the one thing I'm really noticing with uh, the knife making. It is just like you say, it's a very it's a community, right? It's not. Uh, and, and that's one thing I found with the YouTube, too. I thought it was kind of a at first I thought it was like a one way conversation. Like, I'm going to make a video and that's it. But Man, I learned so much from the viewers and I get so much feedback and it's it's really, really amazing what it's done. It's it's really great community to be a part of. Yes. Yeah. I, th I think I mentioned in the last episode that for me, I mean, Instagram has just been amazing to find this community yes. of other knife makers all around the world. And it's yeah, it's just fantastic. But that's quite yeah. interesting what you just said, that when you tell people you make knives, those ask you, where can you buy certain things? And that's always one of the first questions people say to me, where could I buy certain things such as, you know, certain supplies? Yeah. And actually, I put a shout out on Instagram this week because I'm always seeing these beautiful, beautiful woods and stabilized wood scales and so on. Um, that, you know, people have posted these pictures and they're incredible, but I can just find nothing locally. So I just, I just put yeah. a shout out. Does anybody know anybody anywhere in the UK? And it that just doesn't seem to be, and I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. And I'm sure somebody yeah. within the community will, will 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 tell me where to look. But um, but yeah, I mean, having this sort of resource of you know just the internet, being able to ask people these questions, and whether it's a forum or whether it's YouTube, Instagram, whatever, it's just it's just incredible. Oh yeah, absolutely. So so, what's on your bench today? Um, I've I've been looking at your videos and um. You put up a great video today, actually, about um, about making a mistake, and you you're yes. making, a, making a knife, and you and you sneezed or you coughed, and, <laughs> and, yeah. and you messed up a plunge line. But um, yeah, what what what's what's the next project? Um, I've got actually my next door neighbor, his good friend, end up bringing me a whole bunch, like probably twenty large slabs of hardwoods. There's like black walnut, maple, uh, cherry, uh, and I'm talking like two inch thick by like ten inches wide by. 24 inches long like a lot several hundred pounds worth of wood so that's where and people just, are finding these beautiful scales they all have great neighbors yeah, yeah i guess <laughs> that's so, what yeah. i need i need a great neighbor <laughs> yeah no so he just brought over he works in a cabinet shop and they do a lot of really custom cabinetry and furniture and, and they had all these scraps so he, he he knew somehow that i'd made knives and he said oh maybe he can have these so he gave them to me and i told him you know what uh why don't i make you a knife in exchange so he actually sat on it for about a year and he said, I think I've got a design. And so he brought this design to me and it's it's going to be a really, really difficult grind. Um, I'm not even exactly sure what it's called, but that'll probably be the next big project I'm working on and the next big video knife build coming up, I think. Other than that, I really have a lot of different knives on the go all the time. Probably um, I'll probably work on about three or four different knives today. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I did see that you did your your five knife challenge, five knives in five days. Um, yes. What what brought that on? Uh, well, it was last year. I started doing uh, last April. 
uh, I think at 400 and some subscribers or something. And I thought I really wanted to get good at editing video. So I put myself through a 30 day video challenge where I shoot, edit and upload a video every day for 30 days. And it really helped. Like it helped my my pro my post processing a lot. And so that was successful in that. Right. And then, you know, and it's it kind of a spring thing, too. Right. Like the April's around, around the time when everything gets nice and you kind of just want to get busy and get going. Um, and so I thought, well, what am I going to do this year? I, I didn't really want to try a 30 day video challenge again because there's some days there's just there's no video. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. one of the videos I released, one of those days was literally just like three minutes of footage of goats. <laughs> and so it was pretty lame. I mean, they're baby goats. They're cute and all. But still, it was kind of like a video for the sake of a video. And I didn't want that. So I thought, well, you know what? This will be pretty tough. But why don't I do a different knife every day for five days just to kind of, I guess, just kind of get yourself going and, and back up to high energy levels for, for spring. In the wintertime, it seems uh, it's it can be kind of tough. Um, you know, it doesn't get light out till 8 o'clock in the morning, and by 5 o'clock at night, it's dark. Yeah. And so, I don't know, there's just an excitement that comes with spring, and you just you have this desire to just go. And so that's kind of why I did that. Yeah. And it's great, I suppose, to take on different styles, because, and certainly for myself, I, I have my sort of style, which is, a, you know, quite a classic chef's knife. Um, and yes. I think I'd learn a lot by by doing something else, by you know trying a different style, which I should do. I think. Yeah. 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 It's it's a lot of, and then it's interesting because once you try different styles, you'll learn certain. You know, even the slightest little detail of of one style that you wouldn't have tried, all of a sudden you might apply that to your so called signature style, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's just it's a lot of fun. It keeps things very interesting and fresh. Yeah. So if you come across a style that you haven't actually built yet and you're maybe building yourself up to it, maybe it's a bit too technical, it's something that you'll think about doing in the future, Any, anything like that at all? Uh, a karambit. I'm going to be doing a karambit soon. Nice. Uh, I get a lot of requests for that, but I've got some, well, we're still working on it, but I've got some, a special piece of Damascus coming from somebody, but I can't really say. <laughs> I think we, we all probably know who it might be. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how that will come, whether it'll come roughly shaped or as a billet or whatever. And so I'd really like to save my first karambit for that piece of steel, which is kind of scary, too, because if I if I wreck it, I mean, aye, 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 but yeah. um, usually usually the first time you try that once you you know, once you're kind of you can make a nice knife. I find that often the time you you try the very first different style, you're so worried about it that you actually end up doing a really good job. You're so conscientious of all the little nuances of that style and all the little details that I think it forces you to slow down. And, and often the first knife, like those five day, those five knives I made, they all turned out really, really well. And I think part of that's just because you're you're paying more attention. If you've already made the same knife 20 times, you kind of, you know, it's muscle memory and you blah, blah, blah. But when it's the first time, I don't know. That's what I found anyways. Yeah, I can see that. You, you know, you're 100% attention on, on what you're doing. Yeah. 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 So do you do any forging yourself or is it all stock removal? Uh, all stock removal uh, right now, but I actually just finished building a forge, a propane oh, forge. Oh, I did see, and it looks fantastic. It really does look great. Yeah, it uh, it sort of works. Uh, what I wanted to do is just kind of a quick mock up and and just play with it a bit. I think if I if it's something I'm going to take seriously, I'll probably end up building a proper forge, like with quarter inch, like a square one out of quarter inch plate and stuff like that. Hmm. But um, this thing definitely gets metal hot enough to smash and i also think there's going to be a massive learning curve in forging um i think it's a lot if you've never ever done it before just what little bit i've done i probably spent a half an hour 45 minutes and it's amazing how you'll hit some steel and it does something completely different than what you'd expect that it would have yes yeah 
So I do. A lot of viewers have said, oh, I can't wait to see you start forging some knives. And I, I think it's going to be a little while before I actually get to that point. <laughs> but you've, you've got your forge now, so you can start smashing up some metal. And I'm sure yep. it'll, it'll all come in time. Yeah, it's fun anyways. Yeah, and I mean, talking about your forge, what I, what I really do love on a YouTube channel is that you, you make your, well, your own tools and your own bits and pieces. So I um, mean, you made your, your knife make a scribe, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, a really mm-hmm. different approach to one which I've never seen, and, and I think I'm going to copy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, I saw it somewhere too. I, I copied that from somebody else. Yeah, I mean, what's original these days, eh? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, and your sanding blocks as well, which which I gather you, you you sell as well. Is that true? Yes, yeah, I do. And again, those are not my design. Those are, uh, from what I understand, Aaron Golf. Ah, I, right. Yeah, I We've saw it got first on his channel. Aaron's booked in for a future show, actually, yeah. Oh, right on. Sorry, yeah, he had that design. I saw it, and then um, I made one for myself. And then I had a few comments from people. I did a video on how to make them because he had a video on how to make them as well. And then a few people emailed me saying, "Listen, I've asked Aaron, and he says he's not interested in producing them. Uh, I mean, he's really busy. He's he's cranking out a lot of knives right <laughs> yes, now. Yeah. And uh, so they asked if I would, and I was a little hesitant, but I thought sure. And so I think I made two, and then they were going like crazy. So now I sell a couple a week. Um, I probably make them in batches, about fifty of them at a time, and that'll last for a while. So, I mean, with regards to, I mean, I don't mean to be too personal about income, um, mm-hmm. but is the is the selling of the knives the main thing, or is it the YouTube channel? Does that bring in the income that you need? What, what's how does that work? Um, it still relies on the knives, right? Okay, but but the YouTube channel is getting pretty close, really, right. and um, ultimately, I'm I'm starting to take the YouTube a lot more serious now. I'm trying to. You know, it's one of these things, if you want to do YouTube for a living, well, then you better you better work, right? And, and I've got no issues with hard work. I'm not expecting to make one video a week and, you know, just live large. Um, and so I'm starting to say, okay, like I've got a calendar and I've got roughly the next 30 days planned out in front of me for video-wise. And then obviously I'm still making knives, orders and stuff. And that's that's a, a steadier income that you can kind of count on. Yes. Yeah. Having, having said that, the YouTube has really gone uh, – I've actually signed recently with uh, Studio 71. And so I have a YouTube manager now and they really help a lot. They'll kind of look at different trends and different things. And they'll, you know, they do a lot of the analytical management stuff of the channel and they'll just call me up and say, Hey, you know what? This something's trending. You should try a video like this. And so uh, I think the YouTube's starting to get a little bit more serious now. And, and the goal is that hopefully within six months, um, my, my vision of utopia would be to build a knife, like do videos of it and just auction that knife off for charity. Every single knife I make, that way I wouldn't rely on that for income, but rather just the YouTube. Yeah. So it's, it's actual content of making the knife yeah. as opposed to the knife yeah. itself. That's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. That's the part I, I do enjoy the most. Like I love making knives. I like building things with my hands. Um, I was also a, I was a full-time photographer for three and a half years as well. And so I really enjoy the visuals as well. And so when you combine the two, it's like I can just make a video of making something and people watch it. That's just like it's like they found the perfect job. <laughs> the holy grail, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a similar thing for me. I mean, food is my my main passion. I just I'm just always in the kitchen and I love food. So when I made my first knife and I got to use my knife, it was like, wow, these two things together. Yeah. This, this is what I need to be doing, you know? Um, That's cool. Yeah, so it's it's. I think we're both fortunate that we found something that we we love doing and can hopefully pay the bills too. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let let's go back to your workshop. Um, okay. What's the what's the one piece of kit in your workshop that you couldn't live without? What what are you spending the most time on? Um, 
Oh, that's really that's kind of a mean question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I I would give anything up, but I would probably say the thing that's uh, made things the most efficient is definitely my grinder, my belt grinder. You actually made yours too. I know you've got a KMG as well, but did you make your yep. first grinder? Yes, I did make my very first one. Ah. And that's that's quite well. Um, I was making knives for a living on that grinder, and I ended up having a, an old motor from a treadmill. And it once I started really hogging down materials and started using more aggressive belts, it just wouldn't handle it. And so that's when I thought I should upgrade. And when I did make the upgrade, like I thought there was nothing wrong with my homemade grinder at all. Uh, as soon as I switched to a proper grinder like the KMG, I was blown away. Like it's probably three times faster than my homemade job, hmm. and I had no clue. I would have I would have probably bought a better grinder earlier had I known that that they were that much different. Having said that, you know a lot of guys make really amazing homemade grinders too. Yes, yes. I mean, what I love about your homemade one, I think you're <laughs> using it now as a sort of a horizontal belt grinder, aren't you? Oh, that's a brand new grinder, actually. That's yeah. a new one. All right, that, that's something yeah. that I need. That's something that I really need. Um, great for profiling and getting into you know into little curves and so on. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's next on my list. I think a nice horizontal grinder. But um, yeah. you're right. You know, seeing what some people just do with hand tools, you know, and oh yeah, and I, I, I quite a similar thing for me. So I, d- I didn't actually make my first grinder, but I, for, for a long, long time, I just had this really crappy sort of one inch by thirty inch, you know, this little sort of desktop grinder. Um, and yeah. I, th- I thought, this is great. You know, I'm making some great stuff with this. But yeah, yeah. when you get the big 2x72KMG, the difference is just, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And especially then too with the, the options that it opens up for different types of belts. Yes. yes and that's, yeah. that's a big thing too, is that you, I always, every time I place a belt order, I always order at least one or two belts that I've never tried before. Hmm. And and I'll just give them, some of them I really don't like, and it's like, I don't even use the life out of them. And then some of them are like, well, this is my new go-to belt. So it's kind of, it's amazing once you start experimenting with different options, how it changes the process. Yes, yeah. And strangely enough, I've just ordered belts today, and I've just, for the first time I've ordered the belts with the, you know, the scalloped edge. Yes. So they, so they can just corner slightly. So, yeah, looking forward to trying those out. Yeah, those are I, – I did the same thing. I ordered just two of them, and I tried them out, and now I think right now I've got about 20 on my shelf. I love those things. You mentioned photography there as well. Yeah. Um, do you ever consider a different career, maybe, to, to knives? So is that you know was photography ever there, you know, for the taking? Yeah, it was. Um, it was the same thing. I was kind of self-taught, and then I I enjoyed, it and I did a lot with light. Uh, like I did a lot of studio work and the off-camera flashes. Um, uh, you know, I'd go to shoot, and I'd have like seven of these Canon, like the speed lights, the five eighties or whatever they are. And in Calgary, I mean, I was, I was paying the bills and it was going well. I actually won the top 25 emerging photographers in Canada one year oh. in, in Photo Life magazine. The only thing with, with – I shot a lot of fashion was kind of what I really like because that's the most dramatic as far as lighting goes. And uh, it, it can be the most technical as well. But um, I was offered a job in Toronto. But I didn't want to move to Toronto because really if you want to shoot – like make a decent living in photography in fashion you need to do it in toronto and so i shot weddings it paid the bills i shot a lot of you know a company would call you up like an industrial trade magazine and some guy invented a weird type of a fastener and so they had a piece on him and so it's like hey here's 150 dollars for a headshot so you go to his warehouse and you take a picture of a guy holding this weird bolt he invented <laughs> and you get paid but 
it, it was like that. And it, it seemed to be more and more like that just to pay the bills. And then it, it came to a point where I thought, why on earth am I doing this? This all the soul has been lost for me. Right. I didn't get into photography so I could take pictures of some guy who invented a weird thing. Um, I mean, I probably thought the weird thing was more interesting than the photo I just took. And so that was I, I kind of I guess you could say I actually like snapped and I just said, I'm done. And I just quit. I oil was going really good. And uh, I have a journeyman millwright ticket. And so I applied for a job and I went in for the interview and I got the job. And so that's when I gave up photography and went back to the hand tools. Right. OK, cool. And all this time you're collecting knives as well, as you say. Oh, yeah. Actually, that job that I went to, uh, my foreman was a an incredible knife collector. And he probably he was the worst thing for me. <laughs> Super good guy. And man, every every week he'd come in with some new knife. And I'm talking good knives like his his junkie belt knives were benchmates. He ordered some pretty high end blades and he's like, oh, check this knife out. And yeah, that's that just fed my love of knives. That was a that was a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> so your ideal knife, what, what sort of form would that take? Um, like in relation to a fixed blade or, uh, you know, desert island knife, you've got one knife, you know, one knife. Oh, that's for use out here. I would have just a small fixed blade knife, you know, a three inch blade, maybe four, um, carbon steel blade. Like I actually, one of my, my knives that I keep on my belt the most is a knife that I bought when I was big into collecting. It was a, a Bark River Bravo EDC. Right. And I love that little blade, just the perfect size for the tasks I need. I mean, I've dressed out animals when I'm hunting with it to just cutting wires off hay bales and just a handy all around knife. But it's amazing because you even go to town and I live in a farming community and it's it's fairly robust. Like there's, there's a lot of rednecks here. But even so, you go into there and, and people see a belt knife and they, they kind of give you these looks. And so I don't know if I could pick only one knife it would probably be a really high quality folding knife of some type just for the fact that that's that's what i could carry with me all the time no matter where i'm at yeah yeah i think i'm the same you know utility first something you've always got with mm -hmm. you something that you can use yeah yeah okay well i think i'm going to wrap up with the same final question that i ask all of my guests so which okay. is uh, there's there's many many resources out there for knife makers um you know resources like like your own you know videos on youtube and there's instagram the rest of it um but where mm -hmm. do you find your inspiration um that's a i i've never <laughs> thought of a single source that's actually really really hard uh it's weird because some of my favorite knife makers i don't make knives anything like um like i really i've been following bearing made i don't know if you've heard of them I in montana actually, no. no i haven't really amazing knives but they're completely different style than mine very traditional a lot of uh like antler handles or stacked leather handles very classic tradition type knives they've they've launched a new tactical line as well but they're very much old classic knives bearing made you should look them up uh that's probably i've been following them the longest and I'm, i marvel at their knives but none of the knives i make resemble their knives at all so i don't know if i get inspiration from them or Maybe it is, but just a different type, like an inspiration to actually do instead of rather to to follow or kind of design after, I guess. I'm not sure. So I guess just all the all the makers on Instagram, it's just unbelievable. You know, you, you start following a couple knife makers and it's just like, I don't know how you could not be inspired, you know, just scroll a few scrolls of a thumb and all these guys are making these incredible knives. It, yeah. It, you know, each morning you wake up and you, you look, you just think, I'm never yeah. going to make a knife as great as that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's always that thing as well, isn't it, where everybody's showing their work 
but obviously you want yep. to try and make a, a style of your own. Um, mm-hmm. so, so how how have you gone about that? Because I, I've run into that, you know, where you, you basically you try not to copy somebody's work, but it's it's looking very similar, and you know, it's 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 mm-hmm. trying it's trying to find something new in something that is you know tens of thousands of years old. Hmm. I find that when I'm designing a knife, what I'll do is if, if there's a knife I really like, and obviously it's inspired from a different blade, but what I'll do is I'll, I'll look at that knife and then I'll put that picture away and I'll just draw it in front of me without referring to it. And and my idea is that that, that image is still genuinely ahead, but you're kind of putting your own spin on it. I get asked all the time, like at least once or twice a day, if I would email templates to people. And I always say no, not because I care. Like if somebody makes a knife that looks exactly like mine, good for them. They actually did that, right? Yeah. yeah. But what I what I tell people, I respond and I'm, you know what? I don't care if you just pause the video so you can see the profile of the knife and then put a piece of paper and draw it out. But I believe that there's a very important connection between actually drawing the knife yourself and designing the knife to how the final product feels in your hand. Yes. Yeah, part, yeah. part of knife making is knife design. And if you're just forever tracing templates and using them without actually putting your own curves into it and kind of moving lines a little bit one way or the other, you don't truly learn um, how the design affects the function of a blade. And so, you know, I've had actually a few people have made knives. They've asked in the week, last week, I've had three people ask if I can, they've drawn up their own knife version of my little sheep's foot EDC knife. And they said, do you mind if I make it? And I just tell them, have at it, you know, go for it. Um, because you drew it yourself. You're inspired by what you saw, but ultimately this is your product. And I'm sure my knives look just like somebody else's knives that I've made before too, right? And it's like you say, what's original anymore? Yeah, it is a difficult one. It really is. But I've actually mm. got you to thank for I very recently started sort of designing on paper rather than, you know, straight onto the metal and, you know, doing it by feel and yep. the rest of it. So I come yep. across your video actually where you were showing how to use Google Layout um, oh, okay, yep. to, to draw the knives. And... um yeah, it's great. <laughs> I've now got thousands of knives that I need to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful, eh? I'll have to save up for all the steel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yep. it, also it, one one little thing, quick tip with knife design was that I when I was starting, I would always put it onto a piece of plywood, like quarter inch plywood. Yes. And yes. Cut, cut the probe. That way you could just get a sense for its proportions in the hand before you actually wreck your steel. Yeah, I do that with perspex and it yeah, it's yeah, easy, easy yeah. to grind down and you yeah, you get a nice feel for it. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Yeah. So if people want to know more about you, where can they find you online? Uh, I'm most active definitely on Instagram. And uh, the account is just simplelittlelife.ca. I'm, I need to get better at Facebook. I'm not on Facebook near enough. Uh, so I, w- I would say don't don't expect to contact me there. But Instagram, I try, to, I try to get back to everybody, answer every question I get there. And then obviously the YouTube as well. Yeah, and that's Simple Little Life uh, as the channel name, isn't it? Yep, you bet. Okay, great. Well, again, Jeremy, thank you so much for taking the time out. And um, Thanks for having me, Craig. Yeah, not no problem at all. And hopefully people will be seeing you soon in your next video. You betcha. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.